Welcome to the Pro Beauty Pod. I'm Eve, editor of Professional Beauty, and together with my team, we'll be bringing you insight and opinion on all of the hottest trends and the biggest stories in beauty, spa, nails and aesthetics, as well as chatting with industry leaders and innovators about the secrets of their success. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoy it. So here we are at the first full episode of the Pro Beauty Pod. So exciting. And to kick things off, my guest this week is the fabulous Elaine Beattie, who is the owner of All About You Urban Beauty Retreat in Lowfell up near Gateshead. And one of the things I chat to Elaine about is really one of the biggest topics in the industry at the moment. And that's how to find, and more importantly, how to keep great therapists, which we know is an ongoing challenge for a lot of salons and spas at the moment. Um, I thought Elaine is the perfect person to share her expertise on this one because she's got a great salon team, but she's also actually worked in so many different roles within the industry. So she's been in the industry an amazing 35 years. And in that time, she's worked on the cruise ships, she's worked in some of the biggest spas, but also on the supplier side in international sales development for some of the most well-known brands in the market. So she's seen it from all sides and she's got some really interesting methods she uses, which she'll share with us along with plenty of other pearls of wisdom from all that experience. So grab yourself a coffee and set in for our first full podcast episode. Hi Elaine, thank you for joining me. Oh you're welcome, hi. No Elaine, I really wanted to get you on a podcast because um, I guess I see you as at the heart of the professional beauty industry because you've got your own salon, um, a very successful salon. You're an employer giving jobs to people in the beauty market um, and facing all the challenges that come with that. But you're also really proactive, really investing in training and development and getting involved in awards and events and just everything that really raises the caliber of the beauty industry. So it's great to have you on. Oh, thank you. It's a pleasure. Now, we're going to be talking a bit about recruitment uh, and retention of staff because um, that's a challenge for most employers, I think, in the beauty industry at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, not a new challenge. It's been going on for a while, but it's definitely got tougher recently. So um, we're going to be chatting a bit about how you're tackling that. But before we do that, I want to go back to the beginning. So I guess for people that don't <clears> know you, uh, can you tell me a bit more about your personal career journey? So what kind of what led you to where you are today? Um, so I guess, how, how did you originally get into the beauty industry? Yeah, definitely. How long have you got? That's the question. <laughs> um, so, Quakey, I actually wanted to go into hairdressing originally when I was about 12. And um, my brother actually gave me a careers book, um, oddly. And it was actually on hairdressing and beauty therapy. So I enrolled doing a course of both. And that was about, I don't know, 35, 36, 37 years ago or something. Discovered I was a dreadful hairdresser, but I just fell in love with the beauty industry. Um, So I started really from the very beginning. Um, So um, I started my work placement and got a position there. But my dream at that time was I wanted to travel, do the cruise ships, work in health farms. So I was very lucky, um, got a job at Stoke Castle Health Farm in the very, very early days. Well, I really learned the trade. Um, and I'll never forget, I came home one day, you know, 18, 19, said to my mum, oh, you know what? I want to go on the cruise ships, ma'am. And she's like, well, you keep saying it and you're never going to do it if you keep talking about it. <laughs> so there I was, I was, I was very much like, right, okay. 
I'm going to go for it. So I went on the cruise ships, um, worked hard, party hard, brilliant experience, and then came back and got into management and teaching as well. I came back and did my certificate in education. And um, I was also working within a department store, uh, which wasn't for me. So then I became a manager in Livingwell, actually, it was at the time. And I found actually I loved the management side of things. And I guess that's why I really started to develop my career of where I am now. So to cut a long story short, from going into management, I would then became very familiar with obviously product companies and I really wanted to become a business development manager. And then I went into national and international sales development management with obviously quite prestigious brands. Not sure if I can say the brands, but um, very well known in the industry. (laughs) Yes, I've worked for like Declio, Aveda, Espar, Elemis, etc. So I did that for about 18 years and absolutely loved every second of it. And then sadly, my dad got poorly with cancer. And I was living in Northampton at the time, and it was time for me to go home. So I came back to Newcastle, and I flipped. I was working at the time for Declio, for L'Oreal. So I flipped the country upside down, and I was travelling from Newcastle, covering the whole of the country, doing national sales, which I absolutely love, working with companies like Centre Parks, Marriott, Champanese, etc. But it was getting a little bit too much. So I actually decided to leave and then I took on just a small area working for Elemis. And I just found it wasn't challenging enough for me. And I was just laughing with a girlfriend one day saying, oh, we should open up our own salon, blah, blah, blah. And she said, actually, I know somebody who's looking for someone to like rent an area. And then within a week or so, it was all the process just started. It was something I never had planned to do oddly (laughs) so it's six year anniversary um in may so i've had the business now for six years and obviously there's been lots of challenges absolutely um but it's been it's been eventful (laughs) okay so from one conversation within a week you were you were up and you know you were on your way to to having a salon on my way yeah amazing yeah so that's Quite a transition, I suppose, working for and um, from the product side to, to going to the salon side. So almost kind of shifting perspective yeah. and and running um, a salon, talking to the people that, that were like you, that you know the product uh, suppliers. So, what was yeah. that like? I suppose making that transition. That's quite quite an interesting one. You know, it's really weird because now I've been on both sides and I can understand the challenges of both, especially when I have an area manager coming into my salon. When I was an area manager going into a salon because you have so many different challenges in a salon that people don't probably understand when you're not actually working within the salon um just things like training recruitment the you know taking the time out how much that does affect the business of taking time out for training etc however it's also 100 important that you do that because you get the benefits of that but you can understand i can understand now when i think oh crikey i can't hit them out that week because that's like you know we're full book that week but so it's really about planning ahead in the salon industry yeah. or when you have your own business but i think one of the biggest challenges i found is how lonely it can be yeah because i've always worked with a huge network of people and i'm very good at like i love bouncing ideas off you know people but when you suddenly become like a sole owner 
you're just on you are you're literally on your own yeah. and that's that's what I found was the hardest um transition mm. was just working on my own obviously I've got loads of contacts in the industry but that's that can be quite challenging definitely and it can be quite lonely at times so it's very important to build that network yeah we hear, we hear that a lot I think that you know with professional beauty mm-hmm. talking to different salon owners it's a real issue isn't it and I think particularly now that there are more and more people setting up from home you know there are more freelancers mm-hmm. and independent um, beauty professionals that are that are running businesses without even that kind of network of the salon team it's, it's it can be quite a lonely place for sure yeah yeah mm-hmm. so um Obviously, as you say, you opened the salon around about six years ago, um, you know, having moved over from the, from the supply side. What have been your kind of proudest achievements or, or milestones in, in the time that you've had the salon? Oh, well, I think probably, the, well, there's, there's been a few. Um, obviously, I started from scratch because I think a lot of people do start from maybe renting a room from hairdressers, that type mm. of thing. So I literally started from scratch. Um, did a huge opening, which was hugely successful. But I did that through a lot of local networking to build up the clientele. So very quickly, I did have a very strong clientele. But then within my second year, 18 months of being open, I won the Professional Beauty Boutique Salon of the Year Award. So obviously, I was very proud of that. Um, But I think one of the biggest things is really just creating a really relaxing environment and we do have a five star rating on Google, and for me, it's about that customer coming in or that client coming in. And the salon's called all about you, and it is literally all about them when they come in. And I think that's one of the biggest milestones. It probably sounds quite simple, but if I didn't have that, I wouldn't have the business. Yeah, and it's to keep absolutely. that consistent as well. To keep it, you know, every time a client comes in, the experience is consistent or improved. And just continuously working on that side. Yeah. Um, we constantly are getting five-star reviews. Um, we do also have three best rated in the um, in our environment as well for excellence. Excellent. And that's what I just keep thriving on okay. all the time because yeah. customer service to me is key. Yeah, absolutely. So that's kind of keeping on challenging yourself, challenging your team and, and maintaining that level. Yeah. That, I mean, that can be hard. That can be really difficult when you're kind of, you've reached a certain level to kind of keep that motivation going and keep that that standard. It is, it is. And I think you can become very complacent, especially yeah. with your regular clients. You can be very complacent, um, which I always really like drive not to be because those are your bread and butter of the business. And it's really weird because I'm in the environment all the time. I'm in a different location now, which obviously we can come on to later. And I go in every day and I look at all the negatives in the business. I'm thinking right. that needs doing, that needs doing, yeah, yeah, yeah. blah, blah, blah. And then clients or new clients will come and go, oh, this is gorgeous. Yeah. 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 And I'm like, oh, and I've got to pinch myself as well. <laughs> you know, I do have to pinch myself and think, actually, just remember when you first walked in or when you were designing it in lockdown, um, how you feel when you first walked in but mm. I think that's how I stop myself from being complacent because I don't always look at the good things I look at like the areas that need improvement yeah. but obviously yeah. other people may not see that if yeah. that makes sense absolutely and I think that's really interesting because I think it's sometimes difficult to 
appreciate and remember how how well you're doing as well isn't it I think we're all probably guilty of that of only sort of seeing Mm -hmm. the the things that could be improved but actually you know when you look at it with fresh eyes you're like it's amazing yeah and I think an example of that obviously it's just been recently Mother's Day and it was such a lovely week in the salon you know we had young children coming in buying gift vouchers buying packages etc that actually sat on Mother's Day and I thought you know what I've got lots of mothers opening up their presents today to come into all about you mm. to have a beautiful experience and um and I just thought wow you know when you just take that little step back yeah, and how yeah. many people you've made happy Absolutely. on that morning yeah. on Mother's Day or Christmas and that's when th- those are the times you don't you don't re- like think of and mm. I don't know why I thought of it that day but I did mm. um and that's what makes me smile. And I think, you know what, we have, we are in such a beautiful industry. Definitely. And the fact that people have chosen you and, and your business to be a real yeah. treat for, you know, for their mother, to yeah. reward somebody, to really kind of give that, that's it. give that back. Yeah, that's great. And I suppose on the flip side of that, what is the biggest business challenge that you've had to face in that time that you've kind of faced and overcome? Because I always think this is a really interesting one for people to to mm-hmm. learn from, to sort of share their, you know, they, we all talk about our achievements, but it, it can be really tough. So um, are that, you know, what are the mm-hmm. kind of biggest challenges that, that, that you've had to encounter? Well, you've already mentioned it earlier, recruitment's always a challenge. Um, so recruitment, um, obviously the pandemic, that's probably the biggest challenge for all of us um, over the last three years now, isn't it? Crikey. Um, so I think for what happened to me in the pandemic, I actually had the opportunity to come out of my lease within the hotel, which I decided to yeah. do. And this was on the very last lockdown. Um, and I came out not knowing if I'm really honest with you Eve whether I actually was going to reopen again what I was going to do um I was just a little bit blinded by it all Mm. and then I sat about a week later I had all a lot of my um the stock everything in my house it was just like my, my whole head was all over the place as you can imagine and I just sat and I thought hold on you've been in the industry for like 35 years if not longer what else can you do you know and I just thought no find some new premises and then again within about two weeks I found premises that I always wanted to be on a within a community high street location and I was so lucky that I came across um, new premises in an area called Low Fell and um, it sounds silly as well because I was within a hotel I never had my name on the door and Obviously, now I have the name on the door. It's got a beautiful shop front. It's great to be part of the community. And the great side is I had so many clients coming back to me because what started to happen with City city Centre, sadly, it's getting more and more difficult to um, to, to actually travel into city centres, yes, yeah. parking, etc. So I'd probably say about 80% of my clientele followed me okay. to where I am yeah. now. And then obviously I got a, a lot of local clientele as well. And it's yeah. still building. Um, we've been there nearly two years now. Um, so that was a huge challenge. So even though the pandemic was really, really scary, it actually ended up being a really good positive Okay. Result well, for me great. in the yeah. end. 
which has been great. I think that's interesting as well, what, what you've mentioned. Um, it is tougher for, for city centre sites, I think, because mm-hmm. as well as, um, yeah, it, it's harder to get it, the transport and the parking, but people aren't going to work as often, are they? So I think there's a lot of sites no. that we're hearing from that were kind of thriving on city centre high streets that are just not as busy as they used to be because people are going to mm-hmm. their, their local salons when on the days that they work from home and can be a bit more flexible. So there's definitely, yeah. Um, yeah, definitely a shift in the industry there, I think. Oh, there is, definitely. And it's really sad as well to see the city centre so quiet mm. um, because, you know, Newcastle's always been a thriving city centre, but it's it doesn't have the same vibe as what it used to, yeah. which was sad. Yeah. Um, but that's not, 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 obviously not just in beauty, shopping, everything. Yeah. So yeah. we need to get back to the city centres. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, now we mentioned, uh, we touched on recruitment a little bit. It's obviously mm-hmm. one of the biggest challenges facing the industry as a whole. I mm-hmm. think recruitment of good therapists, um, and there's lots of different reasons for that, I think. Um, you know, people talk about uh, shorter times in colleges. Um, you know, there's, there's Brexit, so people are leaving the country. There's, there's an awful lot of kind of uh, factors that feed into it but have you experienced that at all about you and, and, and have you tackled that yeah no it's to be fair yes of course I've experienced it um I think what you start I think what you've just touched on there you get therapists who are coming through who that sort of partially trained because of what's happened in um in the pandemic so it's when they're starting with you it's almost like starting at the beginning with them which is also a benefit because you can mold them to how you know you want to you want them to deliver your services etc um but i think also you have had a lot of therapists who's been experienced who are setting up on their own there is so much of that now um, and I think, you know, people think it's quite easy to set up, run a business, but actually it's not. It's very hard work. Um, but there is an awful lot of that happening at the moment. So it's once you do find good beauty therapists, it's important to retain them. Um, but also, I appreciate that as they get more and more experience, they may want to go on to different things as well. Um, But it's really keeping that motivation there, keeping the interest there um, and developing them as much as possible as well. Yeah. So with that in mind, what are your tips for keeping staff motivated? What's the secret? For staff motivation, um, I do quite a lot of different things, really. Training is a huge factor because I think once therapists start to get stale, they get bored. So I think you've got to keep evolving um, what treatments you're offering, introducing new treatments, um, keeping, you know, doing regular training as well. Obviously, we do a lot of in-house training, um, which we we tend to do weekly. Um, but obviously, I like to do a lot of training, obviously, with our brands that we use as well. So that would be every three to six months, depending on the therapist. Um, I've also just introduced, um, I've increased their salaries as well. Um, I think that's very, very important. And that's mm. not based on, obviously, the minimum wage being increased because I don't do minimum wage. Um, and obviously, incentives, commission, etc. I've now also introduced something what you call Bright HR. I don't know if you've heard of that okay, before. Yeah, yeah. It's part of Peninsula, Penince- I can't say that word. <laughs> um, and I use that for like HR, but okay. part of the package is it's a Bright HR app where they can actually have like 
counselling sessions if they needed to, because obviously, obviously awareness is very important within an environment. They get discounts with like different companies. If they have HR problems, they can go through that company as well. Okay. There's lots of different factors to it. Even though I'm quite a small business, I just found it, HR is such a huge area. Yeah, but that's really interesting. Yeah, that's that's really mm-hmm. interesting in terms of, um, as you say, if you are a small business and obviously you're not going to employ an HR department or an HR manager necessarily, mm-hmm. but to be able to kind of outsource that and still give people access to that kind of benefit is is great. Yeah, yeah, and that's why I did it. And obviously there's a fee for it, but to me it's like I've employed a HR person mm. for not the HR price. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it also, it's, also, it's also grief insurance as well, employment insurance, etc. if you do come across any, you know, difficulties in your business. Um, so that's a, that's a new benefit that I've just introduced to the team. Okay. So they are still getting used to that, and we're, but we're all getting used to it. Um, obviously incentives team nights out all that the, the regular sort of things yeah. um and even just the little things you know on a busy day make sure the the goodie cupboard's full for them if you know when they're running and out of treatments they can grab something out the cupboard and you know that type of thing just little things yeah. um and really just valuing valuing their opinions as well and making sure it, they're not just a team member because if I didn't have the team I wouldn't have the business yeah. either you know so I think it's really, really important that you take their feedback on board and involve them on mm. decisions. Obviously, not all decisions, but yeah. decisions that's going to affect them. Definitely, um, definitely. And and to make them feel involved in the business, I think, isn't it? It's to, to kind of share. Yeah, that's ex- Yeah. Yeah. I think sometimes certain sometimes salon owners can be a bit nervous of that of kind of sharing too much I suppose in terms of the financials yeah. and and that side of things you know mm-hmm. you don't necessarily want to bog people down with all the the stuff that you have to deal with but mm-hmm. it is important mm-hmm. for them to understand it in order to feel motivated isn't it so I mean how, how do you how do you do that how much do you share and how much do you kind of keep to yourself what I'll do, obviously, they all have targets, etc. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I will share what we've achieved on the last quarter mm-hmm. and actually where that money does go to because they don't necessarily understand that. You know, when they come in, they'll go, Oily, we need X, Y, and Z. Mm-hmm. And they have to think, well, okay, can we justify that at this moment in time? Um, and once they have that understanding, they appreciate it all. We've got a new therapist just started and I picked up a product and it was manicure product and it had all leaked and I was like okay great but we just hadn't put the lid on properly once you understand once I sort of explained and the cost of that one how that can cost the company um they're like oh god yeah you know that's absolutely fine but it was you know just like little things like that but I, I tend to share with them what our takings are and then I will also share with them that, all oh, right, because we've taken X amount of thousands of pounds, don't think that's just sitting in my bank and yes. I'm having a lovely little time yeah. with that. It's actually going here, there and everywhere. They're like, all right, OK. And even when they're like, oh, you know, they've got maybe have, if they book something in, you've got a couple of white spaces that you can't fill. Explain the reason why and how you can lose revenue. Mm-hmm. And if we're not making that revenue, they won't have a job. Not putting it as bluntly as yeah. that, obviously. Yeah. But that's purely the fact, really. Absolutely. If we're not filling those columns up or not booking in the white space correctly, that's what ultimately we are losing money. Yeah. That very rarely happens, but sometimes it can. 
But yeah, and as as you say, it's important for people to understand so they know why you're, you know, so they don't think you're nagging them. You know, you're asking them this for a reason yeah. because it, it helps the business and ultimately it helps them and keeps them mm-hmm. in a job and and everything else. Yeah, so yeah I think it, it's really important, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Talking about staff retention, um, it can be harder in a small business, a single site salon, um, where there's less scope for mm-hmm. promotion, I suppose, than in a bigger mm-hmm. organisation. So how can salon owners overcome that? If you can't offer somebody um, a promotion to a manager role, you know, you might only have one manager role and you've got a good manager. How can you kind of overcome that and offer them something else to, to retain them with, I suppose? There's something I'm thinking about it myself at the moment, and it maybe even just giving them that annual bonus. It could even be like... A, a little bit of a share into the company that type of thing mm. obviously what i talked about before involving the the team as much as possible on making decisions um i've i mean at the moment i am a single site um business but my pl- future plans are i would like to franchise out and i am going to go into consultancy mm. um so the this is how i'm sort of talking to my team as the bigger picture okay. as well but obviously that's not going to be effective for every business that's just me personally yeah, yeah. um so there will be growth within my business with my team but i think financial not everybody's also turned on financially, but I think a lot of people are. Yeah. But if there's any way you can, like I said earlier, like maybe a nice yearly bonus, quarterly bonuses, okay. it's like sharing the company or taking that commitment. Or you could even, I'm not, I personally don't believe in self-employed therapists. I feel as though you lose that control right. of your business, but that's not for everybody. Obviously, a lot of people do do that. Yeah. So there could be that option yeah. as well. Yeah, absolutely. Because I suppose it's, again, it's thinking about new ways to um, adapt as people, more people do want to be self-employed in the industry than perhaps they did yeah. five, ten years ago. So actually, if, if people want mm-hmm. to kind of do that and set up a loan and, and you have them on a self-employed basis, it may be a... Uh, yeah just a different consideration than than it perhaps used to be yeah and we also we touched on training a bit already and regular training Mm -hmm. is obviously one way to help keep staff loyal and people want to develop they want to develop new skills what's the optimum and what what kind of training because obviously you've got the the training with product houses but also there's training out there and all sorts of things aren't there you can you know there's business training and management training what what kind Mm -hmm. of training do you get involved in with your with yourself and your team and and how often Okay, I think it depends on the therapist of how often, um, but obviously certainly with product houses every three to six months, depending on obviously what the train, training is. As I said earlier, we do in-house training like on a weekly basis, particularly with new therapists. Um, but again, it's sort of looking out the box at the moment. And I think this touches on what you were talking about earlier, about being like a one-site person, because... Um, mm. There's lots of like, there are lots of one day courses, which I'm not sure I totally agree with um, in treatments on the treatment side. Um, But even things like um, health and safety courses. But no, that's interesting because you had different types of things. You wouldn't necessarily think that yeah. you know, that's going to add another string to someone's bow, isn't it? If they've got a, mm-hmm. a health and safety qualification and then they're, mm-hmm. you know, when they're looking for the next role or when they're kind of looking for different things to do, it's, it's, it just gives them that extra, that little bit extra. Mm-hmm. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, so it's sort of like thinking out of the box of looking at those sort of things, which, to be honest, I haven't done a great deal with at the moment because we've just sort of got ourselves back up and running in the yeah. last 18 months. But for my more senior therapist who 
in the long term is look, I'm looking for her to be manager if that's the direction she wants to go into. And these are the courses I'm starting to look into mm. for her, like business management courses, um, you know, local ones and colleges, etc. Um I was lucky enough, I did, did quite a lot of mine through companies. Um, I've been very, very lucky to do management courses through all the companies I've worked with in the past and learned a lot on the job as well. Yeah. But not everybody is that way inclined. Um, so, so, yeah, I think it is looking out the box a little bit, really. Definitely. And that, I mean, that just kind of prompted me to think, actually. So with your background, obviously, you've got a slightly different background to a lot of people um, who, who run mm-hmm. salons. But coming from having worked for a lot of um, product brands and having worked in, on retail counters and, and that side of things, what do you think you've brought to um, to the role from those jobs? Are there the kind of learnings you've got from um, the supply side or from any of your previous roles that really impact what you do? I, think, I, could, I think I've covered probably virtually every aspect in the industry throughout my career because yeah. I've gone from you know being hands-on to doing training to doing management from retailing um and really when I've been working as an international development manager it was really the salons had to be or the spas really it was more the spa industry then had to be quite open and share their financial side as well because it was you know it was very much about walking in and going it's very easy when you're in your own business that you don't see but as soon as you walk into somebody else's business, you can go, well, that retail area could be improved, that yeah, could be improved, sure. and so on and so on. It's very easy to do that. But I really feel from my 35 years of experience, there's nothing I haven't really done, which probably sounds a bit um, not a know-it-all, because I'm not a know-it-all <laughs> by, by any means, because you learn every single day, yeah. but I have covered so many different areas yeah, and I think that's absolutely yeah and I mean I, I, I'm not gonna lie I do miss being on the road as okay. well because I traveled for 18 years mm-hmm. and it, that's what another adjustment I had to do was just being in one area yeah like yeah. getting up going to work you know 10 minute drive instead of a three-hour drive to Leicester or somewhere yeah, that, that must be quite an adjustment yeah I suppose it was it was it was an adjustment um, I get excited now when I go on a journey I'm like oh I'm getting in my car and it's really nice um back on the road yes uh-huh so um so yeah I, I think like, like I said I, I, I think it's very hard to pinpoint one thing because I have covered so many yeah. different areas and I've been extremely lucky to be able to do that in my in my career and it's something as we were talking about earlier I knew I wanted to be in the industry from the age of 13 which mm. again I think is very very rare yeah it's mm-hmm. amazing yeah it's amazing I suppose with the benefit of all that experience um if you could change one thing about the beauty industry what would it be Oh, crikey. Um, I think at the moment, even though it's gradually getting the other way, Zoom training. Okay. It may sound silly. I know companies now are starting to do on-site training again. Yeah. Um, but there's still an awful lot of companies who aren't. Um, yeah. We're very tactile. We're hands-on industry. And yes, it served a means at that time. Um, but now we don't need to do that anymore and we need to get back to, you know, meetings, 
but that that's one thing. I mean, obviously, there's quite a few things. I think that's, regulations is... Yes, sorry, absolutely. go on. No, I was going to say that's interesting because I know a, a lot of companies that do offer the online training and, and a lot of them did start it, as you say, during lockdowns and have continued with it because I suppose it, it it's... It makes a lot of sense for them because they can train a lot more people a lot more quickly. Um, and it makes sense for some people that are doing the training because it's convenient, isn't it? You know, you can do it from mm-hmm. home or from the salon. But that's interesting if you've, you know, the, you feel like you're kind of losing a bit. So I suppose that there are companies that do theory online and then practical in person. Online theory, it's the most boring thing. You're just staring at the screen. It's fine yeah. for half an hour or an hour. And then if it's like about three hours, you're just like, oh, you're like, oh my goodness, by the end of it, you're not absorbing it in it anyway. Okay. I think also, obviously, regulation as well for non-surgical. Um, yes. 100%, which I know that is being looked at at the moment. But it's it's hard to think exactly what you would change because yeah. there's so many different avenues, isn't there? There really is. Absolutely. There really is. Yeah. And every change brings about new challenges, doesn't it? So it's kind of... It is, absolutely. Well. So we've got to appreciate what we have. Oh, well. yeah. <laughs> and another another sort of more personal question, more fun question, I suppose, is and mm-hmm. um, just want to know a bit more about you. Which which beauty products and brands do you love? So I suppose as a kind of desert island question, which three beauty products could you not live without? Which are your kind of core <gasps> oh. three? Okay, well, obviously, it would have to be an SPF. Um, The brand I'm using now in the salon is Medicaid. Um, So that's very strong on CSA. So your vitamin C, your sunscreen and your vitamin A, which obviously I wouldn't do without. Um, But obviously, my old favourites. I've got got, got that many, Eve, to be fair. Um, But definitely, I would definitely say a serum, your SPF your moisturizer and if I'm on a desert island it would have to be my lip balm I can't do without a lip balm (laughs) (laughs) and unfortunately it's not an expensive one it would just be your old-fashioned Carmex can't beat it yeah Yeah, exactly a classic (laughs) yeah excellent and just finally Elaine um we're asking everybody this question but um Mm -hmm. looking back over your career as we've discussed you've had quite a varied career and what is the one piece of advice that you would give to your younger self when you were first starting out in the beauty industry just just follow your dreams you know just follow your dreams and just go for it and if it doesn't work out that doesn't matter it's just part of the journey and if it does work out brilliant um because that's that's just life unfortunately and um and if something doesn't work out learn from it and improve on the next stage um but yeah follow your dream it's yeah. just quite simple oh, that's great yeah mm-hmm. absolutely I think so and it's a, it's about particularly when you take risks you know I think we are all a bit, a bit yeah. nervous to do that but if you want to do something go for it that's a great piece of advice yeah. I th- I, but I think the pandemic's changed a lot of people that way it certainly changed mm. me because I, I was always quite a risk taker was now I probably think more about it and I mm. now I think Elaine you were never like that yeah why why are you thinking oh can I do that should I do that because yeah. I used to just think just do it so I'm getting that mindset back again Great. now but I think the <laughs> pandemic did I think the pandemic did change a lot of I people think, for yeah, that I think it shocked people didn't it it's kind of gosh there are things yeah. that can happen that you have absolutely no control over um, and it can have such mm-hmm. a huge impact on on life and business so it probably did make people a bit more a bit more risk averse but yes I think hopefully we're yeah. all back to being a bit more innovative and a bit more more risk-taking yeah we are definitely no definitely amazing well thank you so much elaine it's been so lovely chatting to you oh thank you no it's been a pleasure